The most important people in the world with Charles Berman and Jonathan Berman. Featuring interviews with people with interesting viewpoints, which, if true, could make them the most important people in the world. Let's meet one of them now. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Most Important People in the World podcast. I am Charles Berman. Jonathan Berman. And we have with us on the line with us uh, today Carlton Brown, the author of the book Sun God Sacred Secrets, which already is a, a pretty intriguing title. Uh, thank you very much for coming on the program with us. Thank you very much, uh, Charles and John. I really appreciate the opportunity. So maybe you can start off, because I, I know a lot of people won't be familiar with Sun God Sacred Secrets. Maybe you can start off explaining for us a little bit um, what are the sacred secrets, who are the sun gods, maybe a little bit of explanation around it. Yeah, sure. I, I I think you know the you know the, the the title, the full title of the book, Sun God Sacred Secrets, the um, you know the 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 archaeology, art, and science of altered states of consciousness, um, a, a descriptive title, and effectively what I what I found doing or in, in engaging in an archaeology project, pyramid archaeology project, uh, looking at four different religions, I found all of the sacred ritual processes underpinning um, these religions that were developed by those ancient priesthoods. So. Um, you know, effectively, it's a you know a meditation-based process. Um, you know, using using hallucinogens and um, sacredly timing that to help them switch their states of consciousness. And so, you know, if we look to ancient Egypt, um, you know, the pharaohs. You know, we we look over you know some three thousand years. They embedded in their their temple art and in pyramid art and icons um, ritual processes. Um, so, you know, the pharaohs. You look at the art. You look at um, you know leaders. Um, you look you, and the deity and the you know the same graphic and you know they've they've got hallucinogens stuck between them and you know you 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 then move to to um central and south america and again um you know whilst the you know the fingerprint is is not identical it's thematically identical so you always see the sun god or sun goddess in conjunction with you know hallucinogens and in conjunction with sacred time symbolism so you know that was the thing that i found um and, and ultimately that's that's what, what the book's about now, in, in psychedelic art, and I think in some of the 1960s studies of psychedelia, uh, there's an effect of psychotropics, which is people tend to see uh, geometric figures like uh, triangles or icosahedrons. Uh, do you think that might have inspired the the pyramid shapes? Yeah, look, I mean, that's that's a you know, it's an interesting question. I think, um, you know, first first off, you know, there are there are different levels and layers to, um, you know, altered states of consciousness, which is what hallucinogens are doing. You know, you know, it's it's not a, a magical effect of the chemical, but it's actually accessing our fourth state of consciousness. And there are differing levels or stages within altered states of consciousness where, you know, what you're talking about is the anoptic shapes and, and things like that. So, um, you know, and they they are, you know, how do we call it, indelibly imprinted on the, you know, the collective human consciousness. I think, you know, pyramids is, a, you know, it's an interesting thing. Why do you see them in China, you know, northern Africa and in particular Egypt? And then you come to Central and South America and in other parts of the world. And, you know, um, the long and the short is, I believe, these were cultures that were connected. And, you know, it's not while it's not contained in this book, um, 
I've certainly released something on the internet that shows significant interrelationships between Giza, Xi'an and China and Teotihuacan and Mexico. So, um, you know, shared knowledge, um, shared knowledge through, you know, a direct communication or communication through altered states of consciousness um, or getting that knowledge and insight from, um, you know, universal consciousness itself. That's fascinating because you, you would think those are very distant places. You'd think it'd be difficult to travel in the ancient times. I'm, I'm wondering how you made this discovery and, and, and how, how, you, how it worked, perhaps. Was it, was it through um, maybe out-of-body states of consciousness that they communicated? Uh, you, are you talking about how I made it or how yeah. they, they would have made it? Well, how, how did you make it? And maybe, maybe if that gave you some insight into how they sure. did it. Yeah, I, I, look, you know, I, I've, I've had a, um, you know, a, uh, how do we call it, a burning interest in this field, um, you know, all of my life. And, you know, I've, I've, I would say sort of an unusual creature, um, not the norm. Um, and, you know, I've always had an interest in Giza, the ancient world, um, you know, religion and spirituality, mythology, UFOs and, and conspiracy theory. And, um, you know, the project for me got well underway in 2008. I took a, you know, I went on a diving holiday to Egypt and I took a book with me called Path of the Poles and it was by Charles Hapgood and you know that book probably inspired Graham Hancock's to write Fingerprints of the Gods and in, in reading that he talked of a global catastrophe of involving the you know the, the Earth's crust um, shifting and so you know I had an obvious question from that were the pyramids built before or after this event and so the idea or the thinking was if I looked at them and they were built afterwards I'd expect to see some sort of common alignment if they were built beforehand then maybe you know the alignments might be chaotic and so I answered that question pretty quickly because you know these pyramids and temples delineate the equinox and solstice sunsets and, and sunrises and um, you know I, I created a pyramid map a, a global map I p- basically put hundreds of pyramids on this map and you know it was just in looking at that that things started to jump out at me and um, you know all the while this is going on I'm looking at um, you know their um, you know their sacred festival dates and realizing you know these correspond with the solstices and the equinoxes and you know I start diving into solar terrestrial physics and I realize you know the solstices and the equinoxes represent some very interesting times of the year when our overhead electromagnetic and magnetic environments peak and so um, you know the long and the short is these alignments were about telling time they embedded the ritual processes in the art and iconography um, as a medium for you know transmitting that to other people you know with 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 teaching um and um um you know um that the you know the, there was a science there you know priesthoods were involved in um, how do we call it um, driving um, the ritual process and you know they worked very closely with leaders to access altered states of consciousness and they developed processes for that and ultimately that comes down to biology which is my my interesting you know or my my area of interest and so you know what what I was doing was um, how do we call it looking at the science involved you know what, what a science tell us in terms of things that can alter to brain function and and so you know i was i I decided to filter the archaeology looking for evidence of electromagnetic magnetic acoustic um you know wave fields and neurochemicals um and you know processes like meditation and ultimately that's how i found the you know the fingerprint well that's fascinating and i i wonder uh, if one of the secrets contained in the book then is how you we can now use the discoveries of science to recreate what the the priesthoods would have been teaching and perhaps even make contact with these ancient gods. 
Yeah, look, you know, you know, I think, you know, the essence of my book is, um, you, you, you know, um, um, you know, it's it, it's it's a book that uniquely discovers this archaeological fingerprint shared by four different um, sun god religions spanning three different continents and, and more than five thousand years of human, you know, history. And you know, the 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 priesthoods effectively left a fingerprint, which was the evidence, you know, that they were conducting these ritual processes. What what I did was effectively reverse engineer that. So you know, if you piece all of the archaeology together and you you know you look at um, you know ancient religions and their evolution, you know, we started out in caves we built tunnels underground we built um you know um chambers and pyramids and then we you know we moved to building temples with inner temple sanctums and what these um places represent they're all thick walled they're all incredibly isolating in terms of you know the sensory environment and you know if you look at um you know the the art and icons you see evidence of meditation and you know then when you look into the art and icons you're seeing you know um, in, in egypt it was the uh, you know blue water lily and in, in you know for the Maya it was the white water lily in India it was the pink lotus you go to South America it was hallucinogenic cactus and so they left this evidence of you know hallucinogens sensory silence meditation and the symbolism relating to sacred time so all I've done is to bring all of those elements together the common themes which is eyes closed meditation in sensory silence you know conducted at sacred time which is the solstices and the equinoxes and you know utilizing hallucinogens and you know i've i've pulled that together into a process in terms of um you know how we go about preparing for this the fasting the conducting ceremonies invocation to make it an incredibly sacred um you know process and you know it, it's then just a matter of sitting down and pulling all of these things together and you know um you know what i would say in my hands is probably you know um you know three out of four times i access transcendental states of consciousness using this process whereas in my earlier life in using hallucinogens i never did you know it was always eyes open and whilst they were incredibly um you know profound experiences and you know very much connecting and you know being really brutally honest with yourself they were never transcendental until I developed this process. Now, would you say that uh, these processes, since they appear to have arrived in many different places in the world, are fundamental to human nature and it's inevitable that a civilization will figure it out and then perhaps forget it again? Yeah, look, I mean, that, that's that's a very, very big question. And I think, you know, if I, if I were looking into the ancient world and, and looked at the two most common methods, you know, you know, first off, we have this meditation based ritual. You know, you see it in the Indus Valley. Um, you know, you see evidence of it. You know, the, the look at the pharaohs all sit down with their hands on their knees. Um, you know, you come to Central and South America as well. So meditation, I think, you know, humanity figured that out a long time ago as a, as a gateway. I think shamanism even before that. Um, you know, with with acoustic methods, so you know, rapid drumming over you know 200, 230 beats per minute. You know, so those, those were the two two main methods. Um, you know, that they developed in you know the the the, the ancient world. Now. Um, I think, you know, one of the things we have to appreciate is religious assimilation and, um, you know, religion always followed as the, you know, I call it the dark shadow following leadership and, you know, uh, leaders, you know, they were in the business of, um, you know, creating ever bigger territories with, you know, greater access to resources and they ultimately built state-based societies and empires and religion followed, you know, very closely behind. So I think there's a, you know, religion for me is, it's a bit like corporate uh, merger and acquisition, you know, these things uh, grow through m and 
and they you know they share knowledge and know-how and ultimately the religions got more and more sophisticated but i i also believe you know there there is evidence and you certainly look to the field of transpersonal psychology and the work that stanislav groff has done um you know here where he talks about knowledge and information being imparted and you know i i know myself through direct experience that is the case you know you're accessing universal consciousness and everything is known and um you know this is available to us that's very exciting and i know a lot of you know it's it's impossible to underestimate how important the sun is for <laughs> humanity and yes. i know a lot of people out there are going to hear the power of this and and be interested how how can they um how they can contact a sun god, how they can access universal consciousness. Uh, now, maybe we can explain for them, in case it's a little unclear for some listeners, what exactly is an altered state of consciousness and how they could move towards using that to, to access some of the things we've been talking about. Well, in my day-to-day life, I, I think I go through several states of consciousness, sleep, wakefulness, hunger, um Right, so this is maybe something out of the ordinary from that, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I think you, you know, you've hit on a, you know, a, a, it's an incredibly uh, interesting question, and number two, you've hit on an incredibly important point that, um, and I don't think it's it's commonly understood. Is you know, I, I certainly before I started this project, I was definitely aware that we existed in three states of consciousness at least, and that was being awake, asleep, and then dreaming. And, you know, ultimately altered states of consciousness, we've all been biologically programmed for this. You know, the the brain architecture and the, you know, the highways that open up and close, you know, they've been imprinted in everybody's, you know, inherited physiology. And um, so, um, you know, and I think a lot of people get confused because of the story of religion and spirituality. It doesn't really, you know, put it in biological terms. It tries to sort of abstract it somewhere else. And we, we get lost in that and, you know, um, all of the corruptions that, that, that go along with it. But I think, you know, ultimately for me and, um, you know, this is this is around states of consciousness that are different from the awakened state with varying degrees of transcending our identity, space and time. And what I mean by identity, I'm talking about our ego mind, our body and our sensory perceptions. And, you know, this is ultimately where the funny stuff happens or the ineffable happens. And, you know, um, you know, I mentioned before about Stanislav Grof, you know, he, he's the grandfather of the transpersonal psychology field, um, you know, from my point of view, he's pure science, and he tells us very objectively. You know, he's a cartographer. He's mapped out um, over 50 years of his career working with, you know, psychologically, um, you know, um, people with, you know, psychological maladies, helping them heal deeply and profoundly heal. And you know, he he defines this consciousness within and beyond objective reality. And what he means by within objective reality, he talks about time expansion. So the possibility of, you know, um, being aware of ourselves as a fetus, you know, in the uterus or in the birth process or being aware of our mother's, um, you know, feelings and sensations when she's taking noxious substances, that sort of thing. We can have, um, you know, prior incarnations of who we've been in previous lives, our ancestry, you know, evolutionary memory and time travel. Um, and, you know, when we're looking beyond objective reality, you know, these for me are, you know, the awareness encounters. And I think the most significant and profound is um, unity states of consciousness. This is, you know, this this is the saying where, you know, God is I and I am God. You become aware through the all seeing eye that you are the entire universe and the entire universe is you. And that that's fantastic. Now, it seems uh, 
to me. Now, is, is this in something in your view that, that everyone um, that would appeal to everyone, or is there a certain smaller set of audience that might be interested in this process in this book, or, or should everyone try these altered states of consciousness? <laughs> Look, you know, you know, I have I have personal views, and then I, you know, I, I have the mind of a you know a veterinarian and someone uh-huh. focused. on you know, d- d- diseases and maladies and, you know, in the population. And I think, um, you know, my own interest is around, um, you know, spiritual transformation, um, accessing, directly accessing our spirituality. And, um, you know, I think the process of living life coming through parenthood, you know, it, it, it corrupts our minds and, you know, therefore, you know, it leads to many dysfunctions. And you've only got to look at the world we live in today to realize that. So, you know, spiritual transformation is about having these profound experiences, um, establishing that anchor or that bedrock from which, you know, we can reshape our lives. And we can use this A for spiritual transformation and B, profound spiritual healing. So healing, you know, early childhood wounds. Um, you know, that, that as a consequence of coming through parenthood. I think, um, you know, as well, there are those people who are already tweaking consciousness. So, you know, we're on the, you know, how do we call it, the, those spiritual meditation practitioners, the new age, um, you know, spiritual people who are, you know, already using meditation, but, you know, for mindfulness as opposed to exploring transcendental states of consciousness. And you, you then have people who are utilizing psychedelics. Um, you know, a, a lot of people are doing that in a very sacred and, and, and very profound way. But you, you look on shroomery and erowid and you realize there's a lot of people combining it with other drugs and alcohol and you know really messed up um you know processes so they're not having these um the sort of experiences they could um so i think you know for me you know when we look at you know who, who are the medical segments in the market I, I think you know there's an aging population um and a significant number of people dealing with death anxiety and existential crises you know people with cancer having to come to grips with the fact they're going to be dead in a few months time um you know you've got people with post-traumatic stress syndrome uh, you know addictions um, and, you know, and people with profound psychological damage as a result of childhood injury. So, you know, and, and what we're seeing, certainly, you know, there was a lot of research done in the, the, the 60s and early 70s looking at the utility of, you know, psychedelics and, um, you know, in offering significant benefits to these people. And that research was switched off as a function of the psychedelic experiment in the 60s. And, um, you know, we lost a lot of very, very valuable tools. So I think, you know, the ritual processes I'm describing through ritual meditation in this book are imminently applicable to, you know, a whole host of, um, you know, uh, situations that could benefit the human population. Now, uh, um, laws differ by region, but um, in a lot of places, some psychedelics are going to be difficult to access legally. How would you recommend those people go about? Uh, the the chemical aspects of transcendental uh, yeah. meditation contact yeah I mean look it's it's uh, you know it's it's an incredibly um, interesting question and you know I, I first of all you know I, I've I've got to put you know caveats and cautions in here as you you see in the book is you know I'm not advocating that people should do this I'm trying to educate people so that if they take the decision to do this that they have you know the know how the knowledge and the tools and the processes to do it safely. And, um, you know, um, but, but effectively, you know, we purchase these things online. 
Um, you know, you, you can't do that with LSD. So you, you know, you have to, um, you know, find find people who who can supply that, and you have to be very careful around, you know, ensuring you know what you get. But you know, you, you can you can purchase grow kits for magic mushrooms online. I'm, you know, I, I think whilst there are a, a wide array of potential hallucinogens one can use, you know, my my favourites are magic mushrooms, LSD, and and cactus if I can get my hands on it. Uh-huh. Um, I think the others, you. You know, like dimethyltryptamine, ayahuasca. You know, those, those are you know those, those are de- you know I would say not for the inexperienced voyager. Um, I, I think you need a lot of respect to to, to use those. But certainly, I'm, you buy the stuff online. I'm certainly I'm curious about one thing, and I don't know. I don't want to put you on the spot because you haven't mentioned it, but it's just touched something that I had in my memory is that I know uh, Amanita muscaria has been used by shamans in Siberia. And yeah. some other places. Do you think that's a, a related phenomenon? Is that accessing the same universal consciousness? Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I think you, you, you know we come come back to the biology, and rather than thinking it's something in the you know the, the you know the plant, the fungus, or whatever, just see them as packages. You know, we're we're used to consuming pharmaceutical pills, mm-hmm. so just see the natural product of nature as the pill containing the active ingredient, and the active ingredient has you know particular modes of action that are of utility in the brain. And, and I think what you've, you've got to realize is there's some biological circuitry in your brain and that when you do things like meditation, you know, you're activating that process and using hallucinogens, you're supplementing that process. So I think, you know, th- these were just, um, how do we call it? These were just keys um, that opened doors that, that were, you know, to circuitry already in the human brain and, and these ancient shamanic societies understood this. One thing I'm that, that's great. One thing I'm very curious about is that you know you've mentioned these these ancient societies, uh, not just the shamanic societies, but uh, ancient Egypt and uh, um, and China and uh, Central American societies. Um, do you think that that you personally using these methods have actually contacted their um, their deities or the, or the or maybe the beings that they were referring to, like Aten, when they when they wrote about their deities? Yeah, I, I mean, look, it's it's a very very good question, and I think you know, um, you know, the, the 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 as Terence McKenna said, you know, the third guest at the party is is culture, uh-huh. and you know, so these religions are developed; they're culturally specific, um, you know, culturally and temporally specific. So, do do I or have I accessed um, um, seen you know deities from a particular religion? Well, I would say at the spring equinox last year. Um, I don't know which deity it was, but I I certainly um, experienced a deity in the context of Giza. Um, And, you know, there was a, you know, I was literally wrapped by a massive serpent. And, you know, that serpent head, you know, sitting right above me. And, you know, it it turned from, you know, the serpent head into a, you know, human form head. So, you know, I've I've definitely had that deity type experience. But, you know, I I think it's it's culturally specific. And, Uh you know, you you would have to go into those societies, find people who are still, um, you know, practicing according to those cultures. And and maybe you can plug it into that for sure. I'm I'm finding this very interesting. And and I'm. One thing that's sort of striking is I think how in a lot of mainstream articles that you get or a lot of mainstream um, summary histories, you don't find emphasis on on the hallucinogenic or the the altered consciousness aspects of some of these civilizations. Uh, Why why do you find that is? Do you think there's sort of trying to sanitize that? 
Yeah, look, you know, we've, um, you know, I would say humanity today is the victim of, um, you know, two millennia of uh, monotheistic religions and, you know, spiritual faiths that uh, lost huge amounts of their own information. Um, so, you know, I think, um, you know, it's not, you know, we, we've only got to look at what the, um, you know, the ancient church of Rome did in terms of wiping out the, the pagan religions of Europe and, um, you know, then what it did in, in Central and South America and the, you know, the, the just the, you know, the, the human carnage involved. Um, this is about controlling people. And, um, you know, that partnership with leaders was about controlling society so they could effectively be harnessed and pay taxes and, you know, allow the, um, you know, the pony show to go on. And um, so, you know, this knowledge was number one, as it was always kept secret, it was always hidden within priesthoods because it was their source of power. And ultimately, over time, did that, you know, main, you know, was its integrity maintained? I don't know. Um, but what I do know is that, you know, people of 21st century are not being taught by any of the religion or spiritual faiths how to directly access altered states of consciousness. So, you know, it's either got lost or it's a function of, um, you know, religion and their need to control and, and assimilate taxes. Now, if I can play the devil's advocate for a moment. Uh, an engineer might say, well, look, pyramids tend, were built in the ancient world because it's a natural trust structure. Um, it's very strong, and that's, you know, a sensible way for uh, culture without earth-moving equipment to construct large structures. And, you know, people on hallucinogens will hallucinate, and there's a part of the human mind that can create these feelings of transcendence, uh, and people tap into that. And that's the biology of the human brain and everything is materialistic and none of this is um, anything more than than what you would expect given the biology and engineering. How would you respond to someone like that? <laughs> yeah, look, I, I mean, it's, um, you know, uh, there's always going to be devil's advocates and, um, you know, um, you know, I, I think the, you know, the, the, the thing is, is, you know, these things happen. They built pyramids mm -hmm. and some of those, you know, if you, you look to Egypt and you look at Giza and, you know, the Giza plateau and the red pyramids, you know, they're amongst the oldest and the best preserved. And, you know, anything and everything they built thereafter, you know, fell apart and it didn't really survive the journey. Um, certainly, you know, to the same standard. So, um, you know, you know, I think there was knowledge and insight, um, you know, and, and, you know, those structures are, um, you know, a, a function of physics. They're a function of engineering. Um, but the point is they transitioned over time. So, you know, they came up in specific epochs. Um, and then they, they, you know, they transitioned from pyramids into building temples. So, you know, why did they, why did they, you know, go through a phase of pyramid building or come into pyramid building, go through it and then come out the other side? And, um, you know, I, d I don't have a, you know, an answer for that. Um, you know, what's the logic in building, you know, the, the, the Giza pyramids, you know, the logistics required to make that happen over such a prolonged period of time are just incomprehensible, unimaginable. Um, you know, you know, in order to build such structures, you have to be able to harness your people. You have to be able to lead them. You, you know, you have to be able to organize them to train and develop them. And, you know, the skill required to do that is beyond slavery. You know, the, this, this was, um, you know, a high level of society, uh, technology and engineering organization. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, and, you know, you, you have to ask an engineer to answer that question. Um, and I think the answer you get is going to be different depending upon the pyramids that you're talking about. 
Um, so, you know, for me, there's function and structure, there's structure and function. And, um, you know, these these held purposes, you know, they were, um, you know, about isolating the individuals so that they could um, quieten the brain. They could engage the meditation process. And, you know, that was the knowledge at the time that was available. Um, regarding the, you know, the biology of the brain, I mean, um, I don't even think 21st century humanity really gets it. Um, you know, so there were some incredibly knowledgeable and adept people in our past who, who clearly did under, understand universal consciousness. And, um, you know, this is not just merely, you know, something you take and you switch on. It's, it's around a whole understanding, um, that's evolved over many, many thousands of years, a process by which we can access this doorway in our minds to, you know, to, to, to access altered states. Now, one thing, uh, we're coming close to our time, but I think one thing that I'm very curious about, and I, and I think the listeners will be too, is since you've, since you've had contact with, with this um, universal consciousness, um, what, sort of, what sort of wisdom or message have you taken from it, and, and what sort of message um, can people draw from, from these processes and from, from what they'll learn from the book? Yeah. Look, I mean, you know, it's a, it, it, how do we call it? It's an, an incredibly good question. Um, I would say my eyes are opening up every single day. And, you know, I launched the book 12 months ago and I'm in the process now of rewriting the book um, simply because I, I have taken a quantum leap in terms of my understanding of the, you know, the, um, you know, the profoundness of these these rituals and what they can do. But I think, you know, for me, the centering point is that they um, they allow you to directly access what I would call real spirituality so it's not you know the cognitive adjustment by reading books and you know saying nice things and trying to act out um you know a, a more civilized way of living our life this is around developing an anchor in your very being and awareness right at the very core that says that there is a god there is universal consciousness and i realize you know things have happened in my life that have um you know um uh, obliviated my vision they've taken me away from my true essential self and that's namely our childhoods and so you know the, the big orientation for me is you know i look back and in, in my past um you know there was an abused childhood there and it leaves its scars today of repetitive cycles that repeat themselves and you know cause suffering and um you know so the orientation is that i am loved in, loved in a way beyond human words can describe and that love comes from universal consciousness or, or god and that, um, you know, awareness has come that ultimately leads you down the path of, um, you know, uh, allowing love and compassion and acceptance and forgiveness and generosity and non-judgmentalism into your life. And um, that we have ultimately this profound um, personal healing is our gateway to accessing higher states of consciousness. And if someone would like to buy your book, how would they go about finding it? Sure. It's, you know, available on Amazon, iBookstore, uh, Barnes and Noble and Kobo. Um, you can also access my website, www.carltonbrownv47.com. Um, and that will, you know, take you through to those various links. It'll take you through to my social, various social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn. And there are a whole series of free resources like accessing a free meditation calendar, um, downloading a 450 pyramid um, site alignments and watching the sunrises and sunsets and, you know, um, photo albums of the various sites that I've been to as well. Well, one could speak for hours because it's just such a, a fantastically interesting subject. Um, but that, that is why there is a book. 
<laughs> in, 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 indeed, and uh, you know, actually, I, I, you know, one one passing thought, actually, um, oh, yes. you know, l- l- lurking in the, um, you know, if you if you look at motivations, I I listened to a uh, you know a video a number of years ago by Jiddu Krishnamurti. He was a you know an Indian um, spiritual philosopher, Hindu, and he he asked the question there: What is it going to take to uh, you know for humanity to spiritually transform itself and awaken up on mass? And while I was doing this project, that question just you know reverberated in my mind and was indelibly impressed in my mind and it really drove you know the you know the the project and um you know one of the other areas of you know research that i'm into as a function of doing my archaeology is global climate change and you know what i've come to realize is we are coming toward the end of this interglacial period and after which another ice age will start and those ice ages they happen cyclically periodically they last for nearly a hundred thousand years and if I look at where humanity stands right now, we are coming to the end of this interglacial. The Ice Age will happen. And this question, you know, I'm sure Jiddu Krishnamurti um, unknowingly was asking that question, you know, what are we, you know, how are we as a species going to evolve, wake up and do this en masse before the Ice Age starts and humanity, um, you know, suffers the impact of that. That's a fantastically important message for all of us now. Um, and I, I want to thank you very much for bringing all of this, uh, all of this knowledge uh, to the table for us, and, and uh, all, all, all this uh, potentially this ancient wisdom that humanity has been accessing in various forms for thousands of years. Um, we'll, we'll remind people uh, once again that it's uh, www.carltonbrown47.com. V47.com. V47, that's right. Carlton yeah. Brown, V47.com. And the website is Sun God Sacred Secrets for everything you've been listening to. Thank you so much for coming on the program with us. Thank you very much for having me today. Really enjoyed it. And have a great uh, day yourselves. You too. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the most important people in the world. Uh, we've been speaking with Carlton Brown, author of Sun God Sacred Secrets. I'm Charles Berman. I'm still Jonathan Berman. Thank you for listening and tune in again next time if you want to hear the show. Oh, and uh, visualize oh, yes. sending us money. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, and, and, and our website, uh, I'm sorry, our email address is uh, mostimportantpeopleintheworld at gmail.com if you have guest ideas, guest pitch, or suggestions or comments for the program. And we don't have a website yet, but we will. So if you want to visit our website, go to a later episode and <laughs> listen to the end of it, and we'll tell you what it is. That's right. <laughs> We might even link it on the description if we're if you're lucky. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the most important people in the world. With feedback or guest ideas, contact us at mostimportantpeopleintheworld at gmail.com.